0: chapter 11 part 2 of sentimental education this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org sentimental education by gustave flaubert chapter 11 part 2 a dinner and a duel at 10 minutes past 7 they arrived in front of the mayo gate frederick and his seconds were there the entire group being dressed all in black rejambard instead of a cravat wore a stiff horsehair collar like a trooper and he carried a long violin case adapted for adventures of this kind they exchanged frigid bows then they all plunged into the bois de boulogne taking the madrid road in order to find a suitable place said to frederick who was walking between him and du Sardier, well and this scare what do we care about it if you want anything don't annoy yourself about it i know what to do fear is natural to man then in a low tone don't smoke any more in this case it has a weakening effect frederick threw away his cigar which had only a disturbing effect on his brain and went on with a firm step the vicomte advanced behind leaning on the arms of his two seconds occasional wayfarers crossed their path the sky was blue and from time to time they heard rabbits skipping about at the turn of a path a woman in a madras neckerchief was chatting with a man in a blouse and in the large avenue under the chestnut trees some grooms in vests of linen cloth were walking horses up and down cissy recalled the happy days when mounted on his own chestnut horse and with his glass stuck in his eye he rode up to carriage doors these recollections intensified his wretchedness an intolerable thirst parched his throat the buzzing of flies mingled with the throbbing of his arteries his feet sank into the sand it seemed to him as if he had been walking during a period which had neither beginning nor end the seconds without stopping examined with keen glances each side of the path they were traversing they hesitated as to whether they would go to the catalan cross or under the walls of the bagatelle at last they took a turn to the right and they drew up in a kind of quincunx in the midst of the pine-trees the spot was chosen in such a way that the level ground was cut equally into two divisions the two places at which the principals in the duel were to take their stand were marked out then rejambard opened his case it was lined with red sheep's leather and contained four charming swords hollowed in the centre with handles which were adorned with filigree a ray of light passing through the leaves fell on them and they appeared to Sisi to glitter like silver vipers on a sea of blood the citizens showed that they were of equal length he took one himself in order to separate the combatants in case of necessity m de Commandes held the walking-stick there was an interval of silence they looked at each other all the faces had in them something fierce or cruel Frederick had taken off his coat and his waistcoat joseph aided cecy to do the same when his cravat was removed a blessed medal could be seen on his neck this made rejambard smile contemptuously then m de comminges in order to allow frederick another moment for reflection tried to raise some quibbles he demanded the right to put on a glove and to catch hold of his adversary's sword with the left hand rejambard who was in a hurry made no objection to this at last the baron addressing frederick everything depends on you monsieur there is never any dishonour in acknowledging one's faults du made a gesture of approval the citizen gave vent to his indignation do you think we came here as a mere sham damn it be on your guard each of you the combatants were facing one another with their seconds by their sides he uttered of a single word, "Come, Sissy became dreadfully pale. The end of his blade was quivering like a horsewhip, his head fell back, his hands dropped down helplessly, and he sank unconscious on the ground. Joseph raised him up and, while holding a scent-bottle to his nose, gave him a good shaking. The vicomte reopened his eyes, then suddenly grasped at his sword like a madman. Frederick had held his in readiness and now awaited him with steady eye and uplifted hand stop stop cried a voice which came from the road simultaneously with the sound of a horse at full gallop and the hood of a cab broke the branches a man bending out his head waved a handkerchief still exclaiming stop stop m de Comminges, believing that this meant the intervention of the police lifted up his walking-stick make an end of it the vicomte is bleeding I said "Cecy." in fact he had in his fall taken off the skin of his left thumb but this was by falling observed the citizen the baron pretended not to understand arnoux had jumped out of the cab i've arrived too late no thanks be to god he threw his arms around frederick felt him and covered his face with kisses i am the cause of it you wanted to defend your old friend that's right that's right never shall i forget it how good you are ah my own dear boy he gazed at frederick and shed tears while he chuckled with delight the baron turned towards joseph i believe we are in the way at this little family party it is over monsieur is it not put your arm into a sling hold on here's my silk handkerchief then with an imperious gesture come no spite this is as it should be the two adversaries shook hands in a very lukewarm fashion the vicomte m de comming and joseph disappeared in one direction and frederick left with his friends in the opposite direction as the madrid restaurant was not far off arnoux proposed that they should go and drink a glass of beer there we might even have breakfast but as du sardier had no time to lose they confined themselves to taking some refreshment in the garden they all experienced that sense of satisfaction which follows happy denouement the citizen nevertheless was annoyed at the duel having been interrupted at the most critical stage arnoux had been apprised of it by a person named Compin, a friend of Verchambard, and with an irrepressible outburst of emotion he had rushed to the spot to prevent it under the impression however that he was the occasion of it he begged of frederick to furnish him with some details about it frederick touched by these proofs of affection felt some scruples at the idea of increasing his misapprehension of the facts for mercy's sake don't say any more about it Arnu thought that this reserve showed great delicacy then with his habitual levity he passed on to some fresh subject what news citizen and they began talking about banking transactions and the number of bills that were falling dew. in order to be more undisturbed they went to another table where they exchanged whispered confidences frederick could overhear the following words you are going to back me up with your signature yes but you mind i have negotiated it at last for three hundred a nice commission faith in short it was clear that our was mixed up in a great many shady transactions with the citizen frederick thought of reminding him about the fifteen thousand francs but his last step forbade the utterance of any reproachful words even of the mildest description besides he felt tired himself and this was not a convenient place for talking about such a thing he put it off till some future day Arnu, seated in the shade of an evergreen was smoking with a look of joviality in his face he raised his eyes towards the doors of private rooms looking out on the garden and said he had often paid visits to the house in former days probably not by yourself returned the citizen faith you're right there what black you do carry on you a married man well and what about yourself retorted Arnu, and with an indulgent smile i'm even sure that this rascal here has a room of his own somewhere into which he takes his friends the citizen confessed that this was true by simply shrugging his shoulders then these two gentlemen entered into their respective tastes with regard to the sex our new now preferred youth were girls were jambards hated affected women and went in for the genuine article before anything else the conclusion which the earthenware dealer laid down at the close of this discussion was that women were not to be taken seriously nevertheless he is fond of his own wife thought frederick as he made his way home and he looked on arnoux as a coarse-grained man he had a grudge against him on account of the duel as if it had been for the sake of this individual that he risked his life a little while before but he felt grateful to Du sardier for his devotedness ere long the bookkeeper came at his invitation to pay him a visit every day frederick lent him books thiers and lamartine's girondin the honest fellow listened to everything the other said with a thoughtful air and accepted his opinions as those of a master one evening he arrived looking quite scared that morning on the boulevard a man who was running so quickly that he had got out of breath had jostled against him and having recognized in him a friend of Senecal, had said to him he has just been taken i am making my escape there was no doubt about it du had spent the day making inquiries seneca was in jail charged with an attempted crime of a political nature the son of an overseer he was born at lyons and having had as his teacher a former disciple of Chalier, he had on his arrival in paris obtained admission into the society of families his ways were known and the police kept a watch on him he was one of those who fought in the outbreak of may eighteen thirty nine and since then he had remained in the shade but his self-importance increasing more and more he became a fanatical follower of mixing up his own grievances against society with those of the people against monarchy and waking up every morning in the hope of a revolution which in a fortnight or a month would turn the world upside down at last disgusted at the inactivity of his brother enraged at the obstacles that retarded the realization of his dreams and despairing of the country he entered in his capacity of chemist into the conspiracy for the use of incendiary bombs and he had been caught carrying gunpowder of which he was going to make a trial at montmartre a supreme effort to establish the republic du sardier was no less attached to the republican idea for from his point of view it meant enfranchisement and universal happiness one day at the age of fifteen in the rue train in front of a grocer's shop he had seen soldiers bayonets reddened with blood and exhibiting human hairs pasted to the butt-ends of their guns since that time the government had filled him with feelings of rage as the very incarnation of injustice he frequently confused the assassins with the gendarme and in his eyes a police spy was just as bad as a parricide all the evil scattered over the earth he ingenuously attributed to power and he hated it with a deep-rooted undying hatred that held possession of his heart and made his sensibility all the more acute he had been dazzled by senecal's declamations it was of little consequence whether he happened to be guilty or not or whether the attempt with which he was charged could be characterized as an odious proceeding since he was the victim of authority it was only right to help him the peers will condemn him certainly then he will be conveyed in a prison van like a convict and will be shut up in mont saint-michel where the government lets people die austin had gone mad steuben had killed himself in order to transfer into a dungeon they had dragged him by the legs and by the hair they trampled on his body and his head rebounded along the staircase at every step they took what abominable treatment the wretches he was jerking with angry sobs and he walked about the apartment in a very excited frame of mind in the meantime something must be done come for my part i don't know what to do suppose we tried to rescue him eh while they are bringing him to the luxembourg we could throw ourselves on the escort in the passage a dozen resolute men that sometimes is enough to accomplish it there was so much fire in his eyes that frederick was a little startled by his look he recalled to mind senecal's sufferings and his austere life without feeling the same enthusiasm about him as du sardier he experienced nevertheless that admiration which is inspired by every man who sacrifices himself for an idea he said to himself that if he had helped this man he would not be in his present position and the two friends anxiously sought to devise some contrivance whereby they could set him free it was impossible for them to get access to him frederick examined the newspapers to try to find out what had become of him and for three weeks he was a constant visitor at the reading-rooms one day several numbers of the flambard fell into his hands the leading article was invariably devoted to cutting up some distinguished man after that came some society gossip and some scandals then there were some chafing observations about the odéon carpentras bisciculture and prisoners under sentence of death when there happened to be any the disappearance of a packet-boat furnished materials for a whole year's jokes in the third column of picture canvasser under the form of anecdotes or advice gave some tailors announcements together with accounts of evening parties advertisements as to auctions and analysis of artistic productions writing in the same strain about a volume of verse and a pair of boots the only serious portion of it was the criticism of the small theatres in which fierce attacks were made on two or three managers and the interests of art were invoked on the subjects of the decorations of the rope-dancer's gymnasium and of the actress who played the part of the heroine at the de la frederic was passing over all these items when his eyes alighted on an article entitled alas between three lads it was the story of his duel related in a lively gallic style he had no difficulty in recognising himself he was indicated by this little joke which frequently recurred a young man from the college of sans who has no sense he was even represented as a poor devil from the provinces an obscure booby trying to rub against persons of high rank as for the vicomte he was made to play a fascinating part first by having forced his way into the supper-room then by having carried off the lady and finally by having behaved all through like a perfect gentleman frederick's courage was not denied exactly but was pointed out that an intermediary the protector himself had come on the scene just in the neck of time the entire article concluded with this phrase pregnant perhaps with sinister meaning what is the cause of their affection a problem and as basile says who the deuce is it that is deceived here this was beyond all doubt who Sine's revenge against frederick for having refused him five thousand francs what was he to do if he demanded an explanation from him the bohemian would protest that he was innocent and nothing would be gained by doing this the best course was to swallow the affront in silence nobody after all read the flambar as he left the reading-room he saw some people standing in front of a picture-dealer's shop they were staring at the portrait of a woman with this fine traced underneath in black letters mademoiselle rosanette bran belonging to monsieur frederick of no jean it was indeed she or at least like her her full face displayed her bosom uncovered with her hair hanging loose and with a purse of red velvet in her hands while behind her a peacock leaned his beak over her shoulder covering the wall with his immense plumage in the shape of a fan Pellerin had got up this exhibition in order to compel frederic to pay persuaded that he was a celebrity and that all paris roused to take his part would be interested in this wretched piece of work was this a conspiracy had the painter and the journalist prepared their attack on him at the same time his duel had not put a stop to anything he had become an object of ridicule and every one had been laughing at him three days afterwards at the end of june the northern shares having had a rise of fifteen francs as he had bought two thousand of them within the past month he found that he had made thirty thousand francs by them this caress of fortune gave him renewed self-confidence he said to himself that he wanted nobody's help and that all his embarrassments were the result of his timidity and indecision he ought to have begun his intrigue with the marechal with brutal directness and refused hussonet the very first day he should not have compromised himself with Pelerin, and in order to show that he was not a bit embarrassed he presented himself at one of madame d'Ambrouse's ordinary evening parties in the middle of the ante-room Martinon, who had arrived at the same time as he had turned round what so you are visiting here with a look of surprise as if displeased at seeing him why not and while asking himself what could be the cause of such a display of hostility and martineau's part frederick made his way into the drawing-room the light was dim in spite of the lamps placed in the corners for the three windows which were wide open made three large squares of black shadows stand parallel with each other under the pictures flower-stands occupied at a man's height the spaces on the walls and a silver teapot with a samovar cast their reflections in a mirror on the background there arose a murmur of hushed voices pumps could be heard creaking on the carpet he could distinguish a number of black coats then a round table lighted up by a large shaded lamp seven or eight ladies in summer toilets and at some little distance madame Dambreuse in a rocking armchair. Her dress of lilac taffeta had slashed sleeves from which fell muslin puffs the charming tint of the material harmonizing with the shade of her hair and she sat slightly thrown back with the tip of her foot on a cushion with the repose of an exquisitely delicate work of art a flower of high culture m and an old gentleman with a white head were walking from one end of the drawing-room to the other some of the guests chatted here and there sitting on the edges of little sofas while the others standing up formed a circle in the centre of the apartment they were talking about votes amendments counter-amendments m grandin's speech and m benoit replied the third party had decidedly gone too far the left centre ought to have had a better recollection of its origin serious attacks had been made on the ministry it must be reassuring however to see that it had no successor in short the situation was completely analogous to that of eighteen thirty four as these things bored frederick he drew near the ladies Martinon was beside them standing up with his hat under his arm showing himself in three-quarter profile and looking so neat that he resembled a piece of sevres porcelain he took up a copy of the revue de, de mont which was lying on the table between an imitation and an amenat de Goffa, and spoke of a distinguished poet in a contemptuous tone said he was going to the conferences of saint-francis complained of his larynx swallowed from time to time a pellet of gumatum, and in the meantime kept talking about music and played the part of the elegant trifler mademoiselle monsieur Dembreuse's niece who happened to be embroidering a pair of ruffles gazed at him with her pale-blue eyes and miss john the governess who had a flat nose laid aside her tapestry on his account both of them appeared to be exclaiming internally how handsome he is madame Dembreuse turned round towards him please give me my fan which is on that pier table over there you are taking the wrong one tis the other she arose and when he came across to her they met in the middle of the drawing-room face to face she addressed a few sharp words to him no doubt of a reproachful character judging by the haughty expression of her face martinon tried to smile. then he went to join the circle in which grave men were holding discussions madame de Burz resumed her seat and bending over the arm of her chair said to frederick i saw somebody the day before yesterday who was speaking to me about you monsieur de Cecy. you know him don't you Yes, slightly, suddenly, Madame de Breuse uttered an exclamation, "Oh, Duchess! What a pleasure to see you!" And she advanced towards the door to meet a little old lady in a Carmelite taffeta gown and a cap of gui pure with long borders, the daughter of a companion in exile of the Comte d'Artois and the widow of a marshal of the Empire who had been created a peer of France in eighteen thirty she adhered to the court of a former generation as well as to the new court and possessed sufficient influence to procure many things those who stood talking stepped aside and then resumed their conversation it had now turned on pauperism of which according to these gentlemen all the descriptions that had been given were grossly exaggerated however urged maintenon let us confess that there is such a thing as want but the remedy depends neither on science nor on power it is purely An individual question when the lower classes are willing to get rid of their vices they will free themselves from their necessities let the people be more moral and they will be less poor according to m d'ambrose no good could be attained without a superabundance of capital therefore the only practicable method was to entrust as the saint-simonians however proposed good heavens there was some merit in their views let us be just to everybody to intrust i say the cause of progress to those who can increase the public wealth imperceptibly they began to touch on great industrial undertakings the railways the coal-mines and monsieur d'unbrus addressing frederick said to him in a low whisper you have not called about that business of ours frederick pleaded illness but feeling that this excuse was too absurd besides i need my ready money is it to buy a carriage asked madame who was brushing past him with a cup of tea in her hand and for a minute she watched his face with her head bent slightly over her shoulder she believed that he was rosenette's lover the illusion was obvious it seemed even to frodick that all the ladies were staring at him from a distance and whispering to one another in order to get a better idea as to what they were thinking about he once more approached them on the opposite side of the table martinon seated near mademoiselle Cécile, was turning over the leaves of an album it contained lithographs representing spanish costumes he read the descriptive titles aloud a lady of seville a valencia gardener an andalusian picador and once when he had reached the bottom of the page he continued all in one breath jacques arnoux publisher one of your friends eh that is true said frederick hurt by the turn he had assumed madame de bruce again interposed in fact you came here one morning about a house i believe house belonging to his wife this meant she is your mistress he reddened up to his ears and Monsieur D'Ambroise, who joined them at the same moment made this additional remark you appear even to be deeply interested in them these last words had the effect of putting frederick out of countenance his confusion which he could not help feeling was evident to them was on the point of confirming their suspicions when Monsieur D'Ambroise drew close to him and in a tone of great seriousness said i suppose you don't do business together he protested but repeated shakes of the head without realising the exact meaning of the capitalist who wished to give him advice he felt a desire to leave the fear of appearing faint-hearted restrained him a servant carried away the teacups madame de brise was talking to a diplomatist in a blue coat two girls drawing their foreheads close together showed each other their jewellery the others seated in a semicircle on arm-chairs kept gently moving their white faces crowned with black or fair hair nobody in fact minded them. frederick turned on his heels and by a succession of long zigzags he had almost reached the door when passing close to a bracket he remarked on the top of it between a china vase and the wainscoting a journal folded up in two he drew it out a little and read these words the flambard who had brought it there says manifestly no one else what did it matter however they would believe already perhaps everyone one believed in the article what was the cause of this riker he wrapped himself up in ironical silence he felt like one lost in a desert but suddenly he heard martinon's voice talking of arnoux i saw in the newspapers amongst the names of those accused of preparing incendiary bombs that of one of his employés, senecal is that our senecal the very same Martinon repeated several times in a very loud tone what our Arsenico? arsenicol then questions were asked him about the conspiracy it was assumed that his connection with the prosecutor's office ought to furnish him with some information on the subject he declared that he had none however he knew very little about this individual having seen him only two or three times he positively regarded him as a very ill-conditioned fellow frederick exclaimed indignantly not at all he is a very honest fellow all the same monsieur said a landowner no conspirator can be an honest man most of the men assembled there had served at least four governments and they would have sold france or the human race in order to preserve their own incomes to save themselves from any discomfort or embarrassment or even through sheer baseness through worship of force they all maintained that political crimes were inexcusable it would be more desirable to pardon those which were provoked by want and they did not fail to put forward the eternal illustration of the father of a family stealing the eternal loaf of bread from the eternal baker a gentleman occupying an administrative office even went so far as to exclaim for my part monsieur if i were told that my brother were a conspirator i would denounce him frederick invoked the right of resistance and recalling to mind some phrases that de had used in their conversations he referred to de blackstone the english bill of rights and article two of the constitution of ninety one it was even by virtue of this law that the fall of napoleon had been proclaimed it had been recognized in eighteen thirty and inscribed at the head of the charter besides when the sovereign fails to fulfil the contract justice requires that he should be overthrown why this is abominable exclaimed a prefect's wife All the rest remained silent, filled with vague terror, as if they had heard the noise of bullets. Madame d'Ambrose rocked herself in her chair, and smiled as she listened to him. A manufacturer, who had formerly been a member of the Carbonari, tried to show that the Orléans family possessed good qualities. No doubt there were some abuses. Well, what then? But we should not talk about them, my dear monsieur, if you knew how all these clamourings of the opposition injure business what do i care about business said frederick he was exasperated by the rottenness of these old men and carried away by the recklessness which sometimes takes possession of even the most timid he attacked the financiers the deputies the government the king took up the defence of the arabs and gave vent to a great deal of abusive language a few of those around him encouraged him in a spirit of irony go on pray continue whilst others muttered the deuce what enthusiasm at last he thought the right thing to do was to retire and as he was going away m d'ambrus said to him alluding to the post of secretary no definite arrangement has been yet arrived at but make haste madame d'ambrus you'll call again soon will you not frederick considered their parting salutation a last mockery he had resolved never to come back to this house or to visit any of these people again he imagined that he had offended them not realizing what vast funds of indifference society possesses these women especially excited his indignation not a single one of them had backed him up even with a lick of sympathy he felt angry with them for not having been moved by his words as for madame d'ambrus he found in her something at the same time languid and cold which prevented him from defining her character by a formula had she a lover and if so who was her lover was it the diplomatist or some other perhaps it was martinon impossible nevertheless he experienced a sort of jealousy against and an unaccountable ill-will against her Dussardier, having called this evening as usual was awaiting him frederick's heart was swelling with bitterness he unburdened it and his grievances though vague and hard to understand saddened the honest shop assistant even complained of his isolation Dussardier, after a little hesitation suggested that they ought to call on des Lauriers. frederick at the mention of the advocate's name was seized with a longing to see him once more he was now living in the midst of profound intellectual solitude and found du sardier's company quite insufficient in reply to the latter's question frederick told him to arrange matters any way he liked de Lauriers had likewise since their quarrel felt a void in his life he yielded without much reluctance to the cordial advances which were made to him the pair embraced each other then began chatting about matters of no consequence frederick's heart was touched by de laurier's display of reserve and in order to make him a sort of reparation he told the other next day how he had lost the fifteen thousand francs without mentioning that these fifteen thousand francs had been originally intended for him the advocate nevertheless had a shrewd suspicion of the truth and this misadventure which justified in his own mind his prejudices against arnoux entirely disarmed his rancor and he did not again refer to the promise made by his friend on a former occasion frederick misled by his silence thought he had forgotten all about it a few days afterwards he asked de laurier whether there was any way in which he could get back his money they might raise the point that the prior mortgage was fraudulent and might take proceedings against the wife personally no no not against her exclaimed frederick and yielding to the ex-law clerk's questions he confessed the truth de laurier was convinced that frederick had not told him the entire truth no doubt through a feeling of delicacy he was hurt by this want of confidence they were however on the same intimate terms as before and they even found so much pleasure in each other's society that du presence was an obstacle to their free intercourse under the pretence that they had appointments they managed gradually to get rid of him there are some men whose only mission amongst their fellow-men is to serve as go-betweens people used them in the same way as if they were bridges by stepping over them and going on further frederick concealed nothing from his old friend he told him about the coal-mine speculation and m d'ambrus's proposal the advocate grew thoughtful that's queer for such a post a man with a good knowledge of law would be required but you could assist me returned frederick yes hold on faith yes certainly during the same week frederick showed dursaudier a letter from his mother madame accused herself of having misjudged monsieur roque who had given a satisfactory explanation of his conduct Then she spoke of his means and of the possibility later of a marriage with louise that would not be a bad match said de laurier frederick said it was entirely out of the question besides pere roque was an old trickster that in no way affected the matter in the advocate's opinion at the end of july an unaccountable diminution in value may the northern shares fall frederick had not sold his he lost sixty thousand francs in one day his income was considerably reduced he would have to curtail his expenditure or take up some calling, or make a brilliant catch in the matrimonial market then de Lauriers spoke to him about mademoiselle roque there was nothing to prevent him from going to get some idea of things by seeing for himself frederick was rather tired of city life provincial existence and the maternal roof would be a sort of recreation for him the aspect of the streets of as he passed through them in the moonlight brought back old memories to his mind and he experienced a kind of pang like persons who have just returned home after a long period of travel at his mother's house all the country visitors had assembled as in former days messieurs gamblin foudras and chambrin the lebrun family those young ladies the and in addition perroque and sitting opposite to madame bomoreau at a card-table mademoiselle louise she was now a woman she sprang to her feet with a cry of delight they were all in a flutter of excitement she remained standing motionless and the paleness of her face was intensified by the light issuing from four silver candlesticks when she resumed play her hand was trembling this emotion was exceedingly flattering to Frederic, whose pride had been sorely wounded of late he said to himself you at any rate will love me and as if he were thus taking his revenge for the humiliations he had endured at the capital he began to affect the parisian line retailed all the theatrical gossip told anecdotes as to the doings of society which he had borrowed from the columns of the cheap newspapers and in short dazzled his fellow-townspeople next morning madame moreau expatiated on louise's fine qualities then she enumerated the woods and farms of which she would be the owner Perroque's wealth was considerable he had acquired it while making investments for m D'Ambruse. for he had lent money to persons who were able to give good security in the shape of mortgages, whereby he was enabled to demand additional sums or commissions the capital owing to his energetic vigilance was in no danger of being lost besides pere roque never had any hesitation in making a seizure then he bought up the mortgage property at a low price and m d'ambrus having got back his money found his affairs in very good order But this manipulation of business matters in a way which was not strictly legal compromised him with his agent. He could refuse Perroque nothing, and it was owing to the latter's solicitations that M. Delbreuze had received Frederick so cordially. The truth was that in the depths of his soul Perroque cherished a deep-rooted ambition. He wished his daughter to be a countess, and for the purpose of gaining this object, without imperiling the happiness of his child, he knew no other young man so well adapted as Frederick. Through the influence of Monsieur d'Ambruse, he could obtain the title of his maternal grandfather, Madame Moreau, being the daughter of a Comte de Fouvant, and besides being connected with the oldest families in Champagne, the Lavarnards and the De Penyes. As for the Moreaus, a Gothic inscription near the mills of Villeneuve la Cavec referred to one Jacob Moreau, who had rebuilt them in 1596, and the tomb of his own son Pierre Moreau first esquire of the king under louis the fourteenth was to be seen in the chapel of saint nicolas so much family distinction fascinated m Roque, the son of an old servant if the coronet of a count did not come he would console himself with something else for frederick might get a deputyship when m denbrus had been raised to the peerage and might then be able to assist him in his commercial pursuits and to obtain for him supplies and grants he liked the young man personally in short he desired to have frederick for a son-in-law because for a long time past he had been smitten with this notion which only grew all the stronger day by day now he went to religious services and he had won madame moreau over to his views especially by holding before her the prospect of a title so it was that eight days later without any formal engagement frederick was regarded as mademoiselle Roques' intended and pere Roque, who was not troubled with any scruples often left them together End of chapter 11, part 2.